Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We are joined, as always, with our super producer, Alexis, codenamed Doc Holiday Jackson. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this stuff they don't want you to know. It's that time again for our listener mail segment. Uh, Doc, codenamed Doc, could we uh, get some kind of applause cue? Perfect. Uh, because we went back through and uh, we scorch voicemail earthed uh, a, a cavalcade of stories from the best part of the show, which is you and your fellow listeners. Uh, we've also been getting some some great responses to uh, to stories that we covered in the past. Been getting some firsthand follow ups. Uh, what we have for you today. One question that I think has been on a lot of our minds for a number of years. Uh, one story. Uh, that was in particular very new to me. Uh, and then another disturbing follow-up to some things we've covered occurring in the land of our neighbors to the north, which would be Canada for anyone who can't tell from our accents <laughs> somehow. Uh, so with this in mind, uh, gentlemen, 
where would you like to start? Would we like to start with uh, government plans, the futz with mind control? Would we like to start with uh, crime and sports? Or would we like to dive into perhaps the, um, the most grisly stuff? How about sport crime? Oh, that sounds fascinating to me. Yeah, that's where you want to go, huh? You want to travel, know. travel to Ireland a little sure. bit and go Why worldwide not? with it. Let's do that. I agree. Take it away, Matt. All right, taking it away. We are jumping to a message. And don't worry if you sent this to us. You asked us to keep the email confidential. I have removed anything that could be possibly identifying here, and I'm just going to read the content of what you sent us. So this comes from anonymous boxing fan. Cool. Cool. This person writes, I'm a casual boxing fan. And last month I'd clicked on a link on a BBC article that caught my attention. The article connected Tyson Fury. This is a very big boxer a big name in the boxing world. Uh, Tyson Fury to a man named Daniel Kinahan, Kinahan, K-I-N-A-H-A-N who was a known Irish crime boss dealing in heroin, guns, and money laundering. Daniel Kinahan was the head of a boxing management company, MGM, which is now named MTK. I believe it was a PR move to change the name, cleanse the image, and have Mr. Kinahan take more of a back seat. I know you can relate, but I went down a rabbit hole of reading about the Irish gang war between the Kinahans and the Hutches, H-U-T-C-H. A shootout at a weigh-in, one of the shooters dressed in drag, multiple crime families, retaliation murders, seemed like something out of a movie. It shocked me that Mr. Kinahan was able to still be associated with boxing negotiations and management. MTK is now taking over boxing by managing many more fighters and is expanding into the United States. I was surprised to hear an associate was murdered in Connecticut. Come to find out, the U.S. CEO of MTK, this boxing management firm, Bob Yellen, or Yellen, Y-A-L-E-N, lives in Connecticut. I'll provide a few links to articles in the BBC documentary. This hasn't gotten much coverage in the U.S. and thought it might be a topic you guys would like covering. Keep up the great work. Kind regards, anonymous boxing fan. <clears throat> so, oh boy, is this listener correct in that this is a rabbit hole. Uh, I, have, I have to be... Honest with everyone here, I kind of stuck to the BBC as a primary source just because there was such great reporting coming out of that that outfit. Um, we're going to discuss it a little bit today, what we found thus far. And guys, I think this is, there's enough red meat here for a full episode. You and I were talking about this off air earlier. I've, I, I would go a step further. Uh, I would say... <laughs> Shout out to Don King when we're talking about crime and boxing. I would say that um, sports and crime is one episode by itself, and this and boxing and crime in particular are a second episode. So maybe we call it a two-part series while we're giving ourselves homework and promising. If you don't hear a two-part series from us, please directly do not hesitate. Send an email to our complaint department, Jonathan Strickland at <laughs> iHeartRadio.com. Uh, but give, <laughs> give us a couple of months to sort this out. But let's let's get into the story first, Matt, because I think what I think what we owe our fellow conspiracy realists here is a little bit a little taste, a little bit of an overview of why this has to be a full episode. What do you say? Oh yeah, sure. Well, well, first of all, there are two things that you probably already know, but are worth stating here. 
the reason why sports in general and especially boxing are so ripe for corruption or uh, are ready to be taken over essentially by a group that maybe makes money in um, in the black market in some way. So there are two things you need to know. The first, there is so much money to be made in the promotion of large boxing, like like big boxing matches, big fights of any kind. We're talking MMA as well. But specifically in boxing, there's a long-standing history of lots and lots of money to be made when there's a big exhibition fight or a big title fight, especially title fights and heavyweights. My goodness, because you can get a lot of people to view them. You can get a lot of eyes on them if you're going to broadcast it in any way. And you can get a ton of people to show up in real life to an event. You can do it in a stadium. It's just good money from an event standpoint. The other is that betting exists and it's legal in many places and many kinds of betting is legal and you can do that. And that's a whole big market. But on the other side of that, is the illegal betting, the off the book stuff, the stuff that's handled by people, you know, that may be loaning some money out to others. <laughs> you know, um, there's we can talk around it, but organized crime essentially uh, can make a ton of money through betting on sports like this off the books. So just putting that out there as where we're level set now to discuss this stuff, let's jump to what our listener was talking about. He linked us to a BBC article titled Daniel Kinahan questions over Fury Joshua fight promoters drug gang links. This is Daniel Kinahan, this person who is allegedly a crime boss. He is linked to Tyson Fury, one of the biggest names in boxing. He won a heavyweight match in 2015. Then he left the sport for a while, came back, won some more titles, and he's got another big fight coming along. I believe it's in 2021. Um, and I don't know, I don't think that's happened yet. Correct me if I'm wrong. This article is from June 2020. But this whole thing, this whole article is about Tyson Fury went on social media and made a post about how he he thanked Dan, a guy named Dan, and then mentioned Dan Kinahan in particular for making this fight happen. Mm-hmm. So in some way, Kinahan made a connection, sealed the deal with a handshake or something to, to make this fight actually occur. And Tyson loves this because not only is this, you know, bringing him up on a fame level, he's going to get a huge fight. He's also uh, going to make a ton of money because of this fight. And the Irish, there's an Irish prime minister named Leo Varadkar, V-A-R-A-D-K-A-R, who came forward after he, you know, heard this post that Tyson Fury made, and he said he was taken aback by these comments because they were referring to someone with a, quote, checkered history. And again, this is my first time learning about this person, Daniel Kinahan, but uh, this guy has a history. I'm going to jump to a portion of another article. And this one is describing Daniel Kinahan. Now, this is very important. This is a quote. Mr. Kinahan has no criminal convictions, okay, when we're talking about this person, but he was named in Irish courts as the head of a prominent drug cartel. The Criminal Assets Bureau, which is part of the Irish police, uh, it's the Garda. You've probably heard of them just from television. That's where I've heard of them from and some reporting. Um, 
They say that he controlled and managed operations of this crime syndicate or one of these crime syndicates and, quote, has associations that facilitate international criminal activity in Europe, Asia, the Middle East and South America. And Europol, according to the BBC, identified this gang that was linked to Mr. Kinahan as one of the main cocaine importers in Europe. Oh, man. It says... It now smuggled its surplus supplies to countries as far away as Australia. Mm. And the, the FBI qualifies him as a narco-terrorist as well, I believe. Exactly. Yes. So he is identified as being this prime, you know, member of this group, but he has no convictions. As in, nobody has ever making, made anything stick yet mm-hmm. to Kinahan. Um <laughs> Oh, Matt, spoiler alert for me, uh, and I think it'll be apparent later in this segment. Um, are we going to get to why that's not happening or why he's walking around peachy keen? Well, I will t- talk to me about it. <laughs> talk to me about let's it. Wait, let's, wait till the, let's wait till the end. We need to learn more, I think, first. Well, there's more stuff to this, and it's huge. And it's like I'm, I'm breaking apart the timeline already in, by telling this to you. Sorry, terrible storytelling going on over here. But there was, there was a shootout that our, our emailer mentioned there. There, or there are several deaths that started with, uh, with the event that was described there. And that's really how the world, or at least the BBC, came to know Dan Kinahan. Uh, and they're saying in Ireland... In February of 2016, that's when the there was gunmen that attacked a weigh-in at a boxing match, and it resulted in the murder of somebody who was a leader, I suppose, in the Kinahan crime cartel. At least that's the way the, it was reported. And it's thought that perhaps Daniel Kinahan was, at, was the intended target of Ooh. those gunmen, but they instead killed somebody also high up in the organization, just not not the target is this the um, hutch kinahan feud yeah this is the this is the hutch kinahan feud and there's a long timeline there of like a murder that takes place in spain and then from there there's a cascade of retaliation murders with between the two families or the crime families and there's even footage you, you may have seen this there's some pretty grisly footage of this occurrence that you can find online and there's a BBC Panorama documentary that includes portions of that footage. Um, you can find it online in a couple places. In the U.S., it's kind of difficult to track down and, and to be able to watch, but you can find portions of it on YouTube if you search Panorama, BBC, Boxing, and maybe Daniel Kinahan. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, can find, you can find it. Or, you know, watch it, watch it in a legitimate way if you can, if you want to pay for it and support the, the broadcaster. It's just, it's difficult to do. And it doesn't support Kinahan, if that's what you're worried about. No, 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 no. We're not even, at, we didn't even get to the heart of this stuff. The concept that this guy who is allegedly making all of this money through this crime syndicate, selling drugs, selling guns, doing all kinds of other things like that, is then profiting off of these boxing matches that are, you know, on pay-per-view, they're they're broadcast the world over. They make millions and millions and millions of dollars and potentially can launder all of that money easily through betting, right? That's one of the great things about about sports and betting. You can launder crap loads of money through that stuff. Um 
just that the, these are boxing matches that end up being title fights for organizations that are not necessarily connected with or with organized crime in any way. So it's like selling the image of the sport, selling the image of those organizations. And in this case, actually getting people killed because of this, this gang war. <clears throat> yeah. I think the most remarkable thing too, about the story on the BBC, not the most remarkable, I'm being, I'm being silly, but uh, there's an amazing picture of this guy, Tyson Fury. Uh, and he's wearing like this really like crazy print jacket. It looks like it has like eight balls on it or billiard balls or no, it's like actually images of like boxers printed on the jacket. And he's wearing no shirt underneath it and a necktie just around his bare neck. Uh, it's an absolute. Fashion. Wait, you're talking about Tyson Fury? Yeah. Tyson Fury's amazing, dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Look at this guy. He's a thing to behold. He's um he's hailed I and I don't even want to use the term, but as like um the traveler king maybe or something like mm-hmm. maybe that's how you would say it now. Yeah. The BB, the panorama I think referred to him as the gypsy king. Um, right. I don't know, but he's he's like he's pretty awesome. You can see some well, in my opinion, he is a very interesting character. Let's put it that way. Because he really kind of just jumped on the scene and then he went into some hard times. He got in some hard, rough places, came back, and he, he seems to be pretty inspiring just in that he just goes for it. Uh, I wonder if Brad Pitt's character in Snatch right. was based on him. Yeah. Not, uh, Mickey O'Neill from Snatch is like a known cinematic adaptation of Tyson Fury. Oh, okay. Makes perfect sense. It's like how that's, that's actually how I learned about Tyson Fury. Uh, no ding on Brad Pitt's acting, but I thought this had to come from somewhere. Wait, that's, that's blowing my mind. Is that true? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Cause I, you know, I didn't learn about him until he was kind of working his way up to that title fight in the late teens, 20 teens. Well, that's the that's the rumor, at least. I haven't okay. I haven't talked with Brad or Tyson about this. Oh, got it, got it, got it. But maybe maybe we can get them together and see. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's the um, concept, you know. And of course, there are people who would say they object to that characterization. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? Is it the perpetuation of a stereotype and so on? But the um, but from what I understand, yeah, Mickey O'Neill and Snatches is based on. Tyson Fury, they're inspired by, and there's a little bit of, um, I, I don't know if the timeline works out, but there isn't, who, who directed Snatch again, guys? Guy Ritchie. Guy Ritchie. He's a boxing fan as well, so he would have been aware of it, I believe. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and like a born and bred, you know, British subject. Mm-hmm. Good point. So this, what also is weird here. Now, I haven't watched the Panorama documentary yet, Matt, but what's weird to me here is that, yes, a ton of money moves through boxing. Uh, Longtime listeners, you know, we didn't agree with Brian Tui on absolutely everything that he claimed regarding sports and corruption. Uh, But boxing is a hot, uh, historically at least, a hotbed of corruption, and it's an enormously um, promising way to launder dirty money if you happen to be running a, uh, a criminal organization that makes north of $1 billion uh, in terms of net worth, uh, this will get you a lot closer to having that money cleaned than, say, a car wash. Mm-hmm. Or even selling, you know, arguably even selling uh, e- even the high-end art trade. Oh, yeah. We're, we're, I think we're forgetting about laser tag, though. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> never forgetting about um, laser tech. <laughs> um, but before we, we we need to move on to the next thing, I just want to put a couple sources in your minds. So if you want to read more, you can. There is a DublinLive.ie article here. It's titled "Daniel Kinahan is a dangerous man who brings terror to boxing world," says Barry McGinnon. Mc Mc McGinnon. Uh, M C G U I G A N. McGigan. I don't know. Sorry. He's a, he's a famous person who I should know how to pronounce their name. But you can look that up on Dublin Live. Uh, it's got some great reporting on this. And also, if you go to talksport.com, you can read an entire rebuttal, essentially, from Daniel Kinahan himself, where he takes all of these allegations that have been hitting him for about 15 years, or, you know, for a, the allegations have been hitting him for a long time. He talks about his long uh, connection to the sport of boxing it's really interesting to see it, to see um, a PR statement like this put forward by someone that is allegedly this big crime boss. Because it, if you're just reading it, it doesn't feel like it's a crime boss, and it just makes you go, "Wow, the PR team's really good. This guy's brilliant, or something is going on here." Uh, it, I don't know. It, it feels like a movie. It's just like what our emailer said. It feels Ooh. like a movie. And one thing I would add, that question we set up just a little bit earlier, uh, why are none of these charges sticking? Even though we have these contradictory reports, you see that you see that uh, article you mentioned, Matt, but then you also see different people uh, in the boxing industry who are choosing to remain anonymous and they're, they're outright saying, like there's a great Insider article about this, they're outright saying, yeah. Kinahan is our fixer. When um, Tyson Fury is talking about getting the deal over the line, that may mean that Kinahan called some people and told them to straighten up, you know, uh, or maybe maybe uh, anywhere from verbally bullied them to maybe a threat. I don't know. Yeah, if he really is who he is, then mm-hmm. just getting a call, right? He's like, hey, right. this is this is Dan. I need this to happen. Like, okay, yep, cool. All right. Don't, right. don't want guys with AK-47s dressed like police officers coming into a world boxing organization match at a Ugh. hotel and shooting no. people. No, Still, just a, it's just a phone conversation, though. Without having the explicit transcript of that, you know, you have to be careful legally. But, you you know, one thing that doesn't help pe- people who, uh, who are certain that this man is a crime boss, one thing that doesn't help as far as prosecuting him is that he no longer lives in Ireland. He like he uh, for almost a year now, he's been living in Dubai, yeah. uh, which which is um, a little bit expensive, you know, so it does. It, it would give prosecutors a question about his income, I would imagine. I hear they have a great mall in, in Dubai. I hear oh, Dubai yeah. is a great mall. <laughs> yeah, it's like one mm. big giant living mall. Uh, isn't, isn't Dubai also a place where like the rich and famous and potentially crooked kind of kick it? Out of the prying eyes of uh, law enforcement, uh, yeah, that could be said about every every big major metropolitan city, I imagine. But Dubai for sure has that. Like, I've heard that before, right? Because of the wealth, the the opulence that that is that just is shown on the streets and in the architecture and all that stuff. Yeah, but, I guess I've just like I've, I've maybe more specifically like people with a very luxurious and dare I say hedonistic lifestyle. Just be careful. Cultural norms are very different. Also mm-hmm. true. In Dubai. Also yeah. True. 
Yeah, very, very different in ways that could, very different and very strict, actually, uh, many as many places in the world are. Uh, as I hope we have said before, anytime you travel internationally, be very aware of the, um, be very aware of the laws and the mores of the place in which you move and do not violate them. Because if you go to a country that says they have the death penalty for something that you would consider relatively minor, like marijuana possession, the fact that you consider it relatively minor if you're from Denver is not going to change their decision that you should die. So be very aware of this. Um, Your opinion in that matter is relatively minor. (laughs) Right, right. Uh, And I think a lot of it, when we're talking about high-level operators uh, in the in the gray area with great financial power, uh, a lot of the concerns about where to be located uh, trace back to extradition treaties. That's why you see a lot of people um, that make you, you might think, huh, that's weird. You're a billionaire. Why are you living in this place? I wouldn't mm. have ordinarily, aren't you more of a Monaco kind of dude? <laughs> right. Bro, uh, but they're they're living in those places for a reason. Now, since nothing has been proven uh, against Mr. Kenahan, uh, all that can be said is that he is uh, living a good life in Dubai, in what has been described multiple times as a safe haven. Yeah, it's all it's also a tax haven. Uh, there's lots of uh, loopholes in terms of taxes on imports and exports, uh, taxes on corporate profits and capital gains. Uh, corporate taxes in general are not a thing. And there's also no customs taxes on goods that you bring in or out of what they call free zones there. Uh, that's, you know, on the corporate level. But there's also plenty of individual tax benefits as well. So, yeah. Oh. All right. So, you know, let us know what you think about Daniel Kinahan and boxing and what's going on there. And let us know if you think Dan's life has any similarities to Tommy Shelby. It feels like there might be something there. feels very similar to me, but maybe I'm completely wrong. Let us know what you think. We'll be right back with another message from you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. 
If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. And we're back with more messages from you, the public. Uh, that is you, the most important part of the show, as Ben would say. Uh, and we all agree, it's just the truth. Uh, I have a voicemail I would like to play for everyone, if that's all right. By all means. All right. Well, this one comes from Chris, and it concerns CIA experiments with psychedelic and other drugs, uh, and also a very famous bomber that we all know and love, maybe not love. Uh, here we go. Chris again. I swear I have an actual license, you know, but um, I was just sitting here drinking and thinking about your podcast. Uh, you may have done this, I don't know, but uh, just a topic headline, did MK Ultra make the Unabomber? You can make an argument that it did. Kaczynski was definitely psychologically, I don't want to say tortured, but yeah, tortured um, by the company. Also, yeah, like the manifesto is like, if it was written by anybody else and a little less extreme, it would be groundbreaking, important work. I think Kaczynski is a, a terrible person who shouldn't be lauded as a, a champion of, of anything, but um, he's definitely no idiot. I don't know what compelled him to blow people up anonymously. It's a cowardice, terroristic act, and I, I'm very glad he is rotting away in a supermax in Florence or Terre Haute, but um, yeah, maybe that's like some some blowback from MK Ultra. So yeah, thanks again. Uh, I work in Bay Area Tech. I do quality assurance. Um, I'm, I'm not some tin hat loony who. Yeah, I know I called too much. Sorry. <laughs> never <Probably>. apologize. <laughs> nope. Definitely never apologizing, Chris. Thanks for for the uh, for the voicemail, and we believe that you have a life, Chris. We do. We know that this is only a small portion of it, and we're lucky that you devoted it to us uh, and bringing up this topic, which I think is super interesting. There's apparently uh, a lot of controversy around this Discovery Channel documentary that came out about the Unabomber uh, a while back. Um, the Unabomber himself, Ted Kaczynski, Theodore Kaczynski, wrote uh, a letter uh, kind of debunking uh, personally this notion that is put forth uh, in the uh, the documentary the, this article uh, from Deadline from January seventh two thousand eighteen headline retired FBI agent the Unabomber and I agree TV series on him is inaccurate 
And then, uh, so specifically referring to MK Ultra, um, Kaczynski has this to say, uh, from several people I've received letters concerning that Discovery Channel series about me. And it's clear from their letters that the Discovery series is even worse than most of the other media stories about me. In fact, the greater part of it is pure fiction. Among other things, they apparently passed on to their viewers the tale that uh, through the agency of Harvard professor H.A. Murray, I was repeatedly tortured as part of the uh, MK Ultra mind control program conducted by the CIA. Um, as we all know, MK Ultra is a program, this is not Kaczynski speaking, uh, where it, as, as like a kind of a response to this notion that um, our enemies were developing mind control drugs, uh, things like liquid THC and LSD and other, you know, mind altering substances were given to people often anonymously or like basically people were like dosed and they were um, observed uh, and to see how it would affect them. Or for example, um, there is, and there are instances of people being dosed with liquid THC uh, and then tried to see how uh, loose their lips were as, as far as like, you know, secrets, agency secrets and things like that. Um, there's a story about one particular uh, agent that was involved in this program named uh, George White, who uh, dosed a mafia member with this uh, THC by ejecting into cigarettes and got him to get pretty loosey goosey about stuff that would have had him killed as a member of, you know, La Cosa Nostra. Um, so interesting stuff there. But yeah, uh, back to Kaczynski. He says, the truth is that in the course of the Murray study, there was one and only one unpleasant experience. It lasted about half an hour, and I could not have been described as torture, even in the loosest sense of the word. Mostly, the Murray study consisted of interviews and the filling out of pencil and paper personality tests. The CIA was not involved. Uh, since people may find it difficult to believe that the media would broadcast such a conglomeration of outright lies, I'm sending you uh, herewith a copy of an article by FBI agent Greg Stezkal, in which Stezkal claims, forgive me if I'm mispronouncing that name, the J might be silent, uh, that the greater part of the Discovery series is fiction. Stezkal's purpose is to defend the honor of the FBI, not to tell the truth about Ted Kaczynski. In fact, not all of his statements about me are strictly accurate. That's interesting. Uh, but the fact that Discovery lied about the FBI investigation should make it easier for people to believe that they lied about me, too. Mm -hmm. And it would appear that that claim is specific to uh, the uh, Discovery documentary series. There's this great article in The Atlantic from 2000 uh, talking about this, this experiments and going into detail about them and, 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 and you know, kind of making the... Uh, the thesis that these could have um, poisoned Kaczynski against science, which is something that he, you know, he he would write about in his manifesto. But nowhere in this Atlantic piece does it mention anything about MK Ultra. It, feels, it seems like that's very specifically uh, something that this Discovery documentary seems to have gotten wrong, uh, at least according to you know Kaczynski himself and someone you know with experience on the matter from within the the bureau. So what do you guys think? Is this something that you'd heard of before? This is, the, this is the first for me. Yeah, yeah. I've heard this pretty often over the years. There's actually, uh, there's a podcast by a friend of the show, Lowell Brilliante, called Prodigy, which dives into uh, a, a deep and uh, really well-done exploration of uh, Kaczynski's formative years because he was very young 
when he went to Harvard. At the time of the Murray experiments, he was only about 17 years old. Uh, These were humiliation experiments. Uh, I I think I know where the conflation begins, too, uh, at least on the Discovery documentaries part. So the Murray experiments are named after Henry Murray. uh, And part of these experiments in a very high level were uh, to, quote, evaluate an officer's candidacy for positions in the U.S. military, the reason people are maybe uh, maybe stringing some uh, red string conspiracy yarn between the uh, MKUltra CIA uh, experiments and the Murray experiments is that Murray himself worked for the OSS, the Office of Strategic Services, during World War II, which a lot of us will recognize as the predecessor of the CIA here in the U.S. So maybe from that point, I I can see how it might be easy to confuse the two, but the OSS is not the CIA. And the fact that Murray worked for uh, the OSS during World War II does not necessarily mean uh, that that narrative of the CIA financing this is is correct but there is a there is a tantalizing thing here there's another podcast on our network since i'm doing plugs there's another podcast mm-hmm. on our network called the control group which is a dramatization of um of the way some of these experiments occurred people who are conducting things related to mk ultra academics professors researchers and so on may not have necessarily known where the money was coming from it sure. may have been coming through front groups so it's also possible that there could have been something that was later discovered to be part of the overall genre of this kind of unethical experimentation uh, and that it occurred without the knowledge of not just the participants but the experimenters themselves so mm. But but you're right, Noel. It is a very important uh, distinction. So Kaczynski was in those um, Murray experiments, which subjected people to a lot of psychological stress. Uh, and again, that's during a formative year. But that's not the same thing as sort of the CIA Monty Burns style wringing mm-hmm. its hands and saying, "Yes, we'll build yeah. a terrorist. Exactly. Um, but the, like this. Um, I mean, I think it's I think it's an important distinction. It's it's also I mean, what do you think? It's it, it feels to me that it is a pretty uh, valid and plausible argument to make that this this experience impacted someone who already had a vulnerable mind. But did it cause them to perpetrate the acts that became the Unabomber? Well, I don't know. That might be a bridge sure. too far. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, let's 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 say it was MK Ultra, and uh, you know, and this was specifically being dosed with LSD. I mean, I think something that we we've seen uh, anyone that's been around people that have you know experimented with psychedelics know that you know it brings out stuff that's already kind of there. You know, it's the same way like people that are drunk kind of you know just they become like a more. Um, extroverted version of themselves, you know, are they like, you know, go a little further maybe with their thoughts or they, they take things a little further, but it's not like just putting things in. It's not implanting you with ideas. The ideas are already there. It just kind of like helps bring them out a little more. So that's true of, of LSD and, and a lot of drugs, stimulants or, or what have you. So to me, the idea of like, you know, 
weed made me do it or LSD made me do it. I don't buy that because to me, it's like it's something that's already latent within you and that it can kind of just like bring out. But I, I don't really buy into the idea that it can create a monster. Um, but since we're plugging things, I'll also say that I heart uh, the I heart original slate is coming out with a show at the end of this month, I believe called Operation Midnight Climax. This sort of, uh, it's a nonfiction dramatization, I guess, of the MKUltra experiment, specifically through the eyes and the lens of this character, George White. And I had the uh, the pleasure of, of being able to, to narrate the thing. I've never really done that before. So uh, that should be hitting your feeds soon. And uh, it's very well written, a uh, really great team behind that. So uh, also beautifully sound designed by our buddy Julian in uh, New York. And uh, yeah, check that out if you, if you want to hear a little more of like kind of a inside, you know, the mind of someone that's actually doing this stuff and dosing unsuspected people with these drugs just to, you know, see what happens. I, I love that cup, Ben. Oh, thank you. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, yeah, dude, definitely listen to that show. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait to to hear it. Um, wh- another thing to, to bring up here. I don't I really didn't know much about MK Ultra connected to Kaczynski, but I am fascinated with his timeline and his trajectory. And as you guys have been talking about his some of his thoughts and his manifestos. I mean, it's stuff that's worth reading in some messed up way. Some of, some of the thoughts are very fascinating, just as our, our caller Chris mentioned. Um, the timeline with him also in the late 60s there, when he moves out to Berkeley after he gets his degrees you know, from, from Harvard and then, I believe, University of Michigan, he's out there in like 67, I think. And that's around the time when officially the known Zodiac killings were happening. Just putting it out there. Maybe there's even more to Kaczynski than just MK Ultra. Why not? <laughs> there's a there's a series of three books that you can read from an author we met named Mark Hewitt. Mark Hewitt. Uh, that are all about how Kaczynski is the Zodiac. Well, that's the thing when you don't have... I mean, as you know, Matt, from uh, some of your previous excellent work, that's the thing when you when you don't have a lot of emergent evidence, you're you're kind of, the speculation thrives, right? And we tend to look at concurrent events and see whether the ostensibly unrelated may give us a new perspective on on the the problem we are solving. Uh, So it doesn't seem like his style, though, right? Which is the primary argument against it. Well, or the... One of the arguments Mark puts forward is that it evolved. So in 67, again, according to Mark, when he's in Berkeley as a professor there, right, which is right near uh, Benicia and Vallejo, where the the confirmed killings occurred in South San Francisco is just across a bridge. He uh, allegedly, according to this author, those killings were like his beginning, his warming up, essentially. And then when things got too hot, he escaped to God. I want to say Montana. I think it's Montana, right? Is that isn't that where he ended up? That's yeah. where he built a cabin. That's um, right. He goes to Montana because things get too hot in San Francisco in that area for the Zodiac, and begins another version of a death campaign, basically. Hmm. Well, this anyway. is one I would want to hear from the listeners. What do you think, folks? Yeah, we, I'd love to know what you think. He's clearly a brilliant person, right? You can't. You can't go to Harvard, get a degree, then go to the University of Michigan and get a master's and doctorate in math and not be 
able to put things together very, very well. There could be some screws loose, though. Yeah, no question about it. Uh, well, I think it's time to take a quick pause for another sponsor break and then come right back with some more listener mail. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. And we are back for the final installment of this week's listener mail segment. This is maybe not appropriate for everybody in the audience today. It uh, it details allegations of corruption in ongoing crime in Canada, uh, the kind of stuff that we have covered in previous episodes on The Lost Highway, previous episodes on things like unapprehended serial killers, which unfortunately ended up being a three-part series. Uh, So without further ado, uh, I'd like to share this uh, with you folks and then with my co-host and see what what everybody thinks here, because I've been digging in and um, I'll be honest, at this point, uh, 
the situation seems disturbing. Hi, you can call me Violet. I give permission to use my voice. I live in Vancouver, BC, Canada, and we have a huge conspiracy regarding serial killers. The first serial killer you should look into is Robert Picton. He owned a pig farm where he fed his victims to his pigs, and the meat he sold in the 90s may have contained human flesh. Currently, there is a 90-plus page document that has been released with all of the details and is currently trying to be suppressed by the VPD and the RCMP. There is a huge suspicion on the RCMP and VPD for their involvement, and they are presently attempting to destroy evidence that they had any involvement in it. Talking out about this has resulted in many people getting death threats, including myself and other outspoken women. This is related to the current situation where the police all over BC are ignoring attempted kidnappings of women and children. And then a woman from that city usually goes missing. They are all around the same age, height, and weight. They are mostly all white. We have had a problem. We do currently still have a problem in BC with missing and murdered, murdered Indigenous women. And now women are standing up and demanding the RCMP take us seriously. They are ignoring us. They are dismissing every single one of our claims. Women are being driven off the road. Women are being attempted to be snatched from their vehicles. They, the RCMP, are refusing to help us. Someone needs to speak out and help the women of BC. If you look into the into the statistics of serial killers in Canada, you will find none because Canada refuses to release those documents. The RCMP already know that the trucking routes in and out of BC are highly, uh, highly susceptible areas for kidnappings, and they still refuse to do anything about it. The RCMP are involved. The RCMP are involved and or are protecting the people involved. And this is frightening for all of us. There was a child that was almost snatched on his way to school two days ago on March uh, 2nd or 3rd. This is seriously no serious. No one is taking us seriously. No one is listening to us. We need your help. Please, please, please talk about this on your show because... We need more people to bring attention to this. We need people to speak up for us because no one is taking women seriously. Thank you very much for taking the time to reach out to us, Violet. Uh, this is uh, this is profoundly disturbing. I mean, even if even if some of the incidents that Violet mentions here turn out to be things that are more easily explained. Just the experience of being a person uh, in a community suffering from this is um, psychologically debilitating. So what I would like to do is, uh, Viola, I'd like to walk through some things that doubtlessly you are already well aware of, uh, but your fellow audience members may not be. First, uh, I want to verify that claim uh, about serial killer collection data in Canada. It is much more difficult to come by uh, than the uh, the serial murderer data in the U.S. So difficult to come by that often when experts are looking into statistics or attempting to build metrics for these kinds of crimes in Canada, they use 
the U.S. as a reference. And US, the U.S. and Canada are similar in many ways, but I would argue they're not similar enough for that to be the basis of research on, on Canada. That's, that's what I believe, and I, I think a lot of people would agree here. So it is also true that indigenous women and uh, girls, children, are disproportionately targeted, not just by what you would call a serial killer, but also by people who uh, commit sexual assault, also by people who want to waylay someone in an isolated area, maybe steal from them, uh, mug them, rob them, etc. And we know that there's there's a little better research Oddly enough, well, not oddly enough, more toward the West Coast uh, because of the Highway of Tears. We did an episode of that. That's that stretch of Highway 16 in northern B.C. where an estimated, the estimate alone is troubling, an estimated 18 to 50 mostly indigenous women have gone missing or been found murdered. Why is that troubling? Because there's a hell of a margin between 18 and 50 right? These are human lives. Uh, and that also means that we're only seeing the ones that were reported as of 2019. If you are a listener in the U.S. and you don't live near the Canadian border, you might be surprised to learn the extent of the controversy here, because this has been an ongoing argument. Uh, women's advocates such as Angela Marie McDougall executive director of Battered Women's Support Services, is saying that the RCMP, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, by the way, um, the ones with the horses, she and others are arguing that the RCMP is attempting to uh, suppress the truth, suppress eyewitness reports, possibly, as you said, Violet, also destroy evidence. McDougall specifically points to the larger issue here, which is ongoing sexual violence in that community. And and she says, you know, validly, I would argue, that uh, it's completely reasonable for people who might be a victim of these crimes in the future to not completely trust the system, to also have fear that one day they may become one of those victims they are currently fighting for now. Uh, the police, McDougal says, are investigating, uh, the, but they, there's also this question of whether, whether social media is playing a role in this. Like people, like there are videos you can find they are being shared on social media platforms, Instagram, TikTok, all the hits where people are noting not only is the RCMP in their, in their perspective being dismissive of the original claims on social media, but in addition to not investigating these claims, they are also asking people to stop spreading the videos. Mm. Uh, And you can imagine if you are someone who fits the demographic of a possible victim here, that that sounds very much like being ignored, right? Very much like being brushed aside and being that one person in the horror movie who says, there's a monster, and then someone else says, it's only the wind. Uh, horror movies are a perfect, a perfect analogy for these kinds of situations when they're factual, and also for situations like ongoing 
um, abuse in relationships. Uh, and, and I don't just mean romantic ones. Uh, the, the thing, though, for the RCMP's part to catch people up here is uh, back in February, just last month as we record this, police came forward and said they reiterated you need to stop spreading these videos about missing women and alleged abduction attempts because they are unproven rumors. Uh, and these videos do run the gamut if you see them, which you can, you can find these, uh, to say that there might be a serial killer afoot, that there might be human trafficking occurring, and that uh, the authorities are either, well... And again, this is not what we're saying, but this is the argument, and it's important to know. They're saying the authorities are either incompetent, they're either dismissive, or they are willfully in some way covering up. And if they're willfully in some way covering it up, it means they might be colluding. And then also, Violet, you noted um, possibilities of retaliation, right, uh, which, which I heard in there. Um, I'd like to just read a statement from a spokesperson for the RCMP, one Michael McLaughlin, who said, quote, we have an open mind, but so far there is no evidence to support that any abduction attempt has actually happened. If we see any real risk, we will let the public know. In the meantime, we're asking you to stop spreading unproven rumors. Uh, the, these videos, by the way, the frequency of these videos increased amid some high-profile disappearances. Uh, one, Trina Hunt in Port Moody, uh, 48 years old, vanished January 18th. Uh, one, Shalene Keeler-Bell, who was 23-year-old, a mother uh, who vanished January 30th. So with McLaughlin and others in the RCMP, the danger here is that they, they feel like there may be a public panic spreading based on unfounded speculations and fear, like people drawing another line between situations that might be unrelated and saying it's all part of a larger thing. Uh, and then the RCMP specifically says they're, they're worried that people are encouraging one another to carry weapons on their person as a result. Um, but but with, this, with this in mind, we, we felt that this would be an important thing to bring attention to because no matter what's happening right now, unfortunately, there is proven there is proven precedent of systemic um, a systemic failure on the part of some authorities to acknowledge these situations and these trends. We did discuss Robert Picton in the past. You guys remember that? Sure. Yeah, Robert, Robert Picton, man. He's uh, pretty brutal, or he was very brutal. And the problem with that, correct me. If you've already mentioned this, Ben, but the problem with that is that rumors were spreading about some serial killer operating in, I think it was mid to late 90s, maybe, that there was a serial killer operating and then he didn't get picked up until decade or so later. Right. Um, and again, it's it's that concept if if only the concept is if only the police or the RCMP or whoever would have listened to the people, you know, saying and raising their hand and saying, hey, there's something wrong here. Something is going on. That's that's the concept. The problem is with with police, you cannot take action unless you've got some kind of evidence or or connective tissue to crimes. Right. I mean, you, you cannot do it. I don't mean to speak for the officers there as in like, yeah, they're doing the right thing and warning people not to spread 
these kinds of videos, but it is, it's a tough thing. Like we talk about on the show all the time. How do you know your source? If, if you've got somebody on TikTok telling you, yeah, there are five disappearances that have just occurred and maybe you don't get all the info and it's very emotionally charged. Maybe it's difficult to ascertain what is true and, and what is being added to it. Right. Like in that great game of telephone that everyone has every time another story is shared. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, I would just say it's difficult for police and you know, who knows what's going on there. I have no idea. Um, but I, I would just would say it's in this tough place where <laughs> I can't imagine the police acting on social media videos and statements like that unless, you know, people are reaching out directly to the RCMP to make statements that could then be acted upon. Which is what they've asked people to do. Uh, they, they have said, you know, please stop circulating videos if, if there's not proof of this. Uh, if you do believe that you have been the victim of an abduction attempt or you believe you have witnessed one, Please, they're saying, contact the RCMP directly, which is, of course, you know, that's that's what uh, the normal process should be. The argument on the other side, I would imagine, is uh, there will be people saying I had to resort to the public sphere because I did what I was supposed to do. I tried to report and I was ignored. Or people are fearful, as a, as our caller stated, that perhaps there's a connection there between whoever's making the disappearances and some, some officer or officers. So I, I, I understand that mm-hmm. while I may believe that's unlikely or hopefully at least unlikely and would encourage people to, to continue attempting to reach the, the authorities like that. Uh, it is, that must be a very scary situation. Yeah, exactly. And this is compounded by statements from experts. There's a researcher, I want to draw attention to named Michael Arntfield, who is a criminologist and serial killer researcher at Western University. He studies patterns of homicide for something known as the Murder Accountability Project here in the U.S. And he um, he's one of the people that I leaned into uh, when I was looking at the problem of getting correct and accurate data from from Canadian authorities. And he says, uh, first off, he says that from the West Coast to what's called the Golden Horseshoe surrounding Toronto, there's evidence to suggest that not one but multiple serial murderers are hunting and and targeting uh, Indigenous women and children. And a couple of the things he says in an interview that he had uh, just a little less than two years ago in 2019, he says, We don't know for sure in Canada because no one will give us the data, but for sure you would see Edmonton up to Fort McMurray light up with uh, indications of homicides that's already well established. And he also guesses you would see a higher instance from Manitoba to northern Ontario and down to the Golden Horseshoe, greater Toronto area as well. And he says that one of the issues is that murder data in Canada is owned by something called StatsCan all one word, S-T-A-T-S-C-A-N, and that this group decides, rather than experts, who gets to know what and says that they control the narrative, therefore, on homicide. And, you know, you learn disturbing things with this, like the FBI's Highway Serial Killer Initiative, which we had discussed uh, in its in its own episode in the past. 
really put the spotlight on the opportunity that people in the trucking industry might have. And I'm I'm not saying truckers specifically, I'm saying in the industry, living along those interstate routes, uh, there's a troubling number of unexplained disappearances and deaths. So the question is, is is there something we can learn from there, from from that research, that could be applied up north? Uh, The answer is yes, there's a lot we could learn, but it would be our chances of saving lives would be much higher if we had access to the data from that country, you know, and, and it's a, it's, it's a dangerous thing. And it's, you know, it's very easy to sit here on this show and say, well, just give the numbers to the people, give the numbers to the experts, give transparency. Um, There may be intervening variables or reasons that we're not aware of that prevent or disincentivize StatsCan from doing this. Uh, but then again, can you really blame people for going to social media if they're acting in good faith? Can you blame these people for trying to get the word out about something that they think authorities are ignoring? I don't know if you can. I don't know if you should. No, no. I'll say it, Ben. I'm speaking directly to you, people who control the stats of crime in Canada. Get that stuff over to the Murder Accountability Project. The folks over there, like you said, Michael and uh, Thomas Hargrove, all of the guys there, like, get, just give it to them. Let's see, let's see what happens. They've been able to identify clusters, like serial killer clusters in other places in the world, and I think it would be good to do mm. that. There's another issue here. You know, we know methodology is... Um, Methodology is kind of the silent melody that data sings, right? Uh, and this means, even though it's a poetic phrase, yay, uh, shout out to the, my old literature teachers, even though it's a poetic phrase, it describes a really important, possibly dangerous thing, which is it's not just what's reported, it's how it's reported, how it's, how it's aggregated, and how it's categorized. So consider this. This is a disturbing thing. Uh, to leave you with to tell you that there there really is uh, a great possibility that there is something amiss. StatsCan has disclosed that the homicide rate for Indigenous women in Canada is six times higher than the homicide rate for non-Indigenous women. However, Arntfeld points out that uh, too often Indigenous women are not properly listed as murder victims. Instead, their deaths are characterized as accidental death or suicide or something known as death by misadventure. You guys heard Mm. of that one? Oh, yeah. That's the one where you do something stupid, right? And you die. Playing on the train tracks or something? It could possibly describe things like drug overdoses, for instance. Or maybe someone... uh, becomes inebriated and wanders out into the elements and dies of exposure, things like that. It's it, it's considered a somewhat anachronistic term, I would imagine. Yeah. Don't you think death by misadventure is a little victim blamey? It's a little victim blamey. Uh, yeah, they ought to just call it what it is. No, misadventure, yeah, that's true. Uh, but I mean, that's not the point. Isn't it meant to like imply that you were doing something, like I said, kind of kind of not the smartest thing in the world? Yeah, that's that's true. The the real difference, like what would be the difference between an accidental death and death by misadventure? There's this strong implication 
that this was something uh, the victim knew was risky, and it's a behavior mm. or activity that they engaged in despite being aware of that risk, which I, I don't, uh, that's not a phrase that I am personally comfortable with ascribing to someone, you know? Um, you know what made me uncomfortable, Ben? Hmm. Rewatching the implication clip from Always Sunny after we mm. made that reference. Oh my God. <laughs> mm hmm. And it's important, I, I think one thing the writers of that show do so well is um, is depicting how often members of the general public just accept that sort of behavior, that sort of, you know, implication, the part where Max says, hang on, are you talking about hurting these people, you know? Um, so this is something that doesn't have an easy answer yet. In my opinion, and this is just my opinion, the first next step is to uh, release that data. And, and if it can't, if, if there's a concern that it would be damaging to an ongoing investigation to release that data publicly, just a general uh, John and Jane blue jeans of the internet, then fine. Do, do like my pal Matt said and send it to expert researchers, right? Send it send it out in such a way that it can be used uh, and that it can be used in a preventative or predictive manner. Um, you know, there are far fewer serial killers, quote unquote, out there in the world uh, than perhaps true crime documentaries uh, would have us believe. But the fact of the matter is they are real. You know what I mean? It's not just the wind. And if even one if even one killer could be brought down, if one life could be saved, then it's, you know, uh, not not to quote Emily Dickinson, but it is worth it at that point. Wouldn't you say, like, what price could you put on that investigation, right? The, the success of that. I, uh, I am having a hard time squaring or understanding why this data isn't being collected, why it isn't being disseminated more widely. Um, and perhaps, you know, perhaps that is due to concerns that releasing this to the public might mean that a murderer is able to see it too and then adapt their behavior accordingly. But then, you know, one thing that we never hesitate to point out when we're talking about serial murderers is that they are going to tend to be below average intelligence. They are not clever people uh, most often. and. This I know this contradicts the Hannibal Lecter, Kemper kind of things, but the reason those characters in fiction or fact are considered somewhat remarkable uh, is because they are bucking a trend. Like these people are not, they're not clever, they're not special, they're just monsters. These criminals, if they exist, uh, can be found with traditional investigation methods and using the information that StatCan appears to uh, possess in some regard. So we're hoping that more data is released. Um, you know, I understand, I think we can all understand the importance of spreading word when you feel like conventional channels aren't working, but then you can also understand maybe the position of law enforcement when they say we shouldn't, or people shouldn't be propagating these videos but the best way to stop those videos from being propagated is to um, have dialogue with the public 
and to let people know that you you are investigating these things. And maybe to ask yourself as an organization, why do people feel like you're not? Where's the disconnect? That is a great point, Ben. Well, it's the point where our show ends today. We want to hear from you. Thank you so much to everybody who wrote, who called in. We want to know your take. MKUltra, CIA, uh, how closely related uh, were they to the creation of Ted Kaczynski's mental state? Uh, let us know. Uh, we want to know your experiences with organized crime and boxing or sports in general. If you live in Dubai, tell us if you uh, tell us if you know any high class crime lords just in advance before we decide whether or not we're going to do a tour there. Uh, and then, of course, uh, if you live in Canada, either on the law enforcement side or if you live in the area that Violet's talking about, uh, please let us know your take. We'd love to hear from you. We try to make it easy to find us on the internet. That's right. You can find us on the usual social media locations of choice, of note. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook, where we are Conspiracy Stuff. Conspiracy Stuff Show on Instagram. Why not do yourself a solid and join the Facebook group? Here's where it gets crazy, because that's where it gets crazy. And you want in on that. You know you do. That's right. And if you do not like Facebook tracking you and all the stuff you do online, we understand. Why not give us a phone call? Pick that thing up that you always are using your thumb on and use your mouth on it. <laughs> Sorry. Um, call 1-833-STDWYTK. Leave a message after you hear Ben's voice and that theme song that you love. I know you do. What's up with that doorbell, <laughs> um, y'all? What's the, where's, what, is, the, is the pizza guy here? I don't understand. <laughs> to, to debunk that one, it went along with a visual on the uh, on the video, and then no. it just stayed in the doorbell. Yeah. The pizza guy always delivered the stuff they don't want you to know. I think that was the trope. I'm I not think sure. That's right. yeah, who knows? But yeah, when, when you do call, please leave your name, whatever you want us to call you. That's important. Doesn't have to be your real name. Just what should we call you? Let us know if you're cool with us using your message on the air, then leave your message. When you leave it, please keep it as succinct as possible and try and do it in one shot, one voicemail. And then if you, you know, if you feel like you're gonna have to call back a whole bunch more times or you've got way too much story, we'd recommend you please, please, please send that via email. It'll be much easier for us to process and it'll increase your chances that we get to discuss it on the show. That email, by the way, is conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Attention true crime enthusiasts searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals, your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com.